Interest rates are up and the market is tumultuous. And now more than ever, you need the best darn possible mortgage broker working on your behalf. That's Gabe Winslow. And you can reach him at 832-557-1095. Or you can go to mortgagesbygabe.com. What makes Gabe so unique? Well, he's incredibly bright. He's a UT grad. He's got a law degree. He's been in the mortgage industry for over 20 years, and he is a true mortgage broker. What does that mean? It means he can shop for the best deal at over 80 different lenders and find you the terms that best suit you. Most mortgage guys you talk to won't reveal that they have exactly one size fits all for you and exactly one conduit to get your loan. If you are in these hyper-competitive markets and you're in these markets that are frankly gotten a, less, a lot less friendly to the consumer, you need the best possible person working on your behalf. That's Gabe Winslow. He has our full endorsement. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. Welcome to a Kansas State post-game reaction featuring Ian Boyd. Before this, before this podcast, Ian texted me and said, hey, I'm just going to give you a warning. I'm going to be on 11. And he has been on 11. He's going nuts. You ever seen the footage of Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah Winfrey's couch? That's that's yeah. pretty much what Ian is. Ian, as I've said before, is a caged jaguar, and the world around him is an impala. Ian, what's going on, man? I actually screenshotted that and sent it to my family. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Did they agree? <clears throat> um, I think so. They said, yes, my son is a jungle cat. I mean, I'm not entirely sure what it means, but I'm pretty sure that it's right. <laughs> well, there's another breed of cat that didn't get it done in Austin, the Kansas State Wildcats. An unbelievable game. I don't even know how to frame it. Texas played incredibly well. Texas played very poorly. Texas made clutch plays. Texas blew clutch plays. Kansas State made some amazing plays. I mean, Will Howard had a couple of throws that were amazing. He had a couple of throws that were, he had many throws that were pretty easy, particularly in the second half. Uh, the defense was amazing against the run, very vulnerable against the pass when Kansas State spread us out. The running game on offense for Texas was consistently really good. And Malik Murphy played a good quarter. <laughs> so is that a, is that a fair, sub oh, and our special teams were both good and awful. Was that a fair summation? Yeah. So somebody, uh, Parker Stats of War, uh, messaged me and he was like, has Texas ever tried harder to lose a game? He hasn't watched Texas much. And well, he made the answer to that maybe no, but there were so many games that immediately went into my head that I didn't really want to revisit and root through. Yeah. So I was like, all right. I don't know. We, <laughs> there's been some doozies, but this one was, whew. I mean, how quickly did that game go from 27 to seven? I was on live asking Jerry if he thought there was a chance Arch would come in soon <laughs> to not long after that, like within minutes, it was like, Texas is going to lose this game. Well, when it went to 27-14, let's just say my attention, focus, and everything shifted 
and the, the atmosphere in the room shifted around right after that time I started doing, uh, no, actually after the Jonathan Brooks fumble and they made it 27, 21, I started doing pushups out of nervousness by the end of the overtime, I'd done 175 pushups. <laughs> so I was a little nervous in this game. I had to burn off some energy and I did get a health benefit and Texas won. So a bottom line, Texas got the win. They're eight and one. They are back in a tremendous spot to be in the big 12 championship to accomplish all of their season goals. Frankly, then you had the added bonus. Speaking of the trifecta Ian referenced, we did the trifecta today. And I think I knew exactly what that meant. Uh, and let me guess if it meant that A&M lost, OU lost, Texas won. Yeah. And consequential games, no less. You know, it wasn't like um, A&M lost to Alabama or something. Like, they needed that win for Jimbo Fisher. Um, and then Bedlam. Oof. Unreal. Well, you and I both said Oklahoma State was going to win, and they did. Yeah. It was a little touch and go. They kept, um, you know, in in some sense, Oklahoma State kind of dominated that game, except for they kept, uh, they were like Texas, and they kept throwing away opportunities in the red zone. Exactly. Especially the, I mean, they had some, they had at least one, or I think I saw two fourth down stops where they tried to run the ball and got beat. Yep. And I mean, that's just, Oklahoma's playing really good down there this season in the red zone. But then one of them was that ridiculous Ollie Gordon. He's supposed to throw it to the quarterback and then he gets ideas and then he tries to chuck it down the field and gets picked off. That was, that was an ugly. So I, I did not see that play. I threw on the Oklahoma state radio broadcast and took my dog for a walk. Cause I needed to get some exercise and some sun. Cause I knew there's going to be a lot of good football today. So I hadn't worked off all my energy from the push-ups and the Texas win, but I I am fired up, man. I'm euphoric about this victory. Texas 8-1, really in command of the Big 12 if they can do what they need to do. Uh, Who do you want to talk about? How do you want to start breaking down this game? Because this felt like a game that a lot of things happened in it. And it's typically you could end a game and go, uh, you know, uh, blah, 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 played really well. So-and-so didn't play. And I mean, Ryan Watts had some great plays in this game. Ryan Watts had some terrible plays in this game, right? I mean, there, there were, other than Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, the, the guys inside who pretty much just dominated Burke was phenomenal. Uh, Sorrell was good. Other than those guys, it's kind of rocky, uh, for a lot of a lot, there were a lot of games within the game. Do you want to just talk about Malik Murphy? We're kind of burying the lead. Sure. Let me also just say Vernon Broughton played well. Wow, has he been good? Um, really this season, but in the last, I don't know, four games maybe. Yeah. He's. I mean, <clears throat> my concern level for the defensive line next year keeps going down a little bit every week. A little bit. I mean, they're going to lose to Vondre Sweat, who's, I don't know, at this point, a first-rounder, maybe? I would think. I I don't know how the NFL evaluate him, but he, I mean, he looks like a first-rounder to me. Um, I mean, it's kind of Vita Vea-type vibes. Um, Malik Murphy. Malik Murphy. 
he did a very good job of attacking a Kansas State defense that was selling out to stop the run, was giving Adonai Mitchell basically zero man coverage a lot. That was crazy. I mean, you can't you can't double everything. If you outnumber the box, you can only afford to send a safety safety to one side of the field, and they chose Worthy, which makes some sense. Um, this is why, like college quarterbacks, if you're an experienced college quarterback who's surrounded by talent, you're going to be awesome. You're going to be made to look awesome. Malik Murphy looked like an experienced college quarterback playing surrounded by talent until the scripted plays that Sark had pre-programmed into the offense ran out. And then ooh, that well went so dry. So you had a stat on Malik Murphy from your post game. Can you remind me of what that was on his passing? I'm actually trying to look for it right now. I, I, I'm pretty sure he was eight for 12 for 155 yards. For yes. The first two drives. And uh, I don't remember after that, but I believe he finished 19 for 37. So after that, he was eight of 25 for 93 yards and two interceptions. Yeah. That is as bad as it gets. And if it just drop. What what's crazy is the Texas receivers didn't have any drops, correct? No, I don't think so. And so Texas was on the game two of fourteen on third down. And I've not seen a game in a while where we had so many receivers wide open. I mean, two of fourteen. Yeah, on third down. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Abysmal. Well, that's because all of our playmaking was on explosives, right? We weren't really putting drives together. We also we were two or three on fourth down, which helped a little bit. Uh, I think Sark did more than just the script. I I don't see. I I. I don't think that was the script running out. I saw receivers open the whole game. Well, sorry, the pre-programmed script. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I got that. that. Malik had worked on in practice. And he was comfortable. Um, Now, maybe, maybe I think Sark saves those sometimes, so you might be right. They may have had some other ones. But Malik got just rattled and lost his timing a little bit. We had I have a a friend uh, on the board, actually, Michael Mustakakis, uh, Rod of Disaster on the message board. He texted me and he's like, it looks to me like Malik is afraid to get hit out there. And that's why he keeps like just flinging it off his back foot. And uh, I don't know what his health is right now. I know he had foot stuff um, that lingered for a while. There may or may not be something else. I don't know. But um, he definitely, I think that makes sense. I think he, he's really contact shy out there. Yeah, so he had, he missed seven open receivers. And I don't mean someone had a step. I mean, he, had, he missed seven wide open receivers. Um, two of the worst were end of the first half after Kansas uh, State had scored 17-7. We get the ball. Sark. You might have thought, let's lay it up here and just go in at half. But Sark was like, hey, there's guys open. 
let's go score. Let's go get a field goal at least. And Malik missed an easy throw. And then he missed a second easy throw in a row that would have hit Worthy on the move. And I looked at that play again. I think Worthy would have gotten 30, 40 yards on it. And we would have at least gotten a field goal. And then you don't run any clock. I mean, you actually put the defense back in peril, right? You gave Kansas Kansas State honestly had the opportunity to make it 17-14 at half, which would have been just an incredible. Uh, So I think we called a lot of that game fearful of our own quarterback in terms of what we could do and what we'd allow. I mean, Sark still did some things throwing the ball, but I, I was quite impressed with the running game because there was a, a confluence later in the game where Kansas State started to play the run again. And then we started lining up saying, yeah, we're running. And we ran the ball pretty well. So I was impressed with the offensive line. I thought this they Malik didn't really get hit. So well, he made sure of that though to some extent. Well, that's true. That's true. But um, I mean, I mean, I mean, Quinn needs to do a little more of that. No doubt. Right. <laughs> um, especially on the move though. I, I, I'm eager to look back at how Cam Williams did. Now he had three false starts and DJ Campbell also had three penalties, two false starts. As Jerry told me during the game and in the holding. Although what did you think of that holding? Uh, anytime your hands get outside. Oh it, yes. He did get outside on him. Yeah, you're just susceptible to getting that call. And you can hold the crap out of people as long as you get your fit inside their pads. Yep. But once your arms stray outside of their their body, you're you're grabbing at that point. So But I, I am very curious to rewatch. <laughs> I didn't see very well live, but I, I have a suspicion that on rewatch we're gonna see some mauling blocks by those two. And Brooks ran really hard in this game. Through, yeah, through pain. I, he ran really well. And I think part of his fumble was he was fighting for extra yardage. And yeah. I also think, have you ever been carrying something and you really hurt your, like something hurts or you step on something, or you stub your toe really hard? Yeah. You, you instantly, your hand opens up, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like your body's reaction and you'll drop whatever's in your hand. I, I feel like that might've played a role in that. Um, but he ran really hard. He ran really well. Uh, Kelvin Banks, I was reminded how well he does run blocking against smaller guys who are quick because they're used to, you know, especially those Kansas State defensive ends and edges, they're used to using their quickness to beat a run block. And yeah. I think they were a little surprised that Kelvin Banks could match their foot speed. And then he was 315, 320. Um, so that didn't go well for them on some of those zone zone runs. Um, yeah, CJ, ba- right? Sorry, you want a big end on Banks. That's the yes. Way yeah. You want a two hundred and ninety pound physical dude who's six foot two, and you know lines up in a four eye, right? But you know what was interesting? CJ Baxter obviously had a couple of, of of big runs. One of them, of course, the big explosive on that fourth and short. Where Sark, that was a pure sucker call. I mean, great schematic call. Suckered him in, pitched it out, and Baxter just had to beat one guy. And that guy was off balance anyway when he tried to tackle him. CJ housed it. Great. What was interesting is on the couple of plays 
which were blocked basically perfectly that he maximized. He didn't run very well on standard runs. Brooks was significantly better creating yardage, advancing the run, making something out of nothing. And, you know, Baxter just, he's, he's still sort of tiptoeing, particularly on zone. Well, the report was that he was banged up heading into this game. He's been banged up all year. But I think I think maybe it sounded like Sark went really hard in practices this week. Oh. He's like, we're going to be physical this week, and we're going to go take it to K-State physically and not let them come in and push us around. But then the consequences were like um, Baxter did something re-aggravated or added, I don't know. And uh, Christian Jones obviously was out. And Do we uh, know what happened to Christian? No, but I think he's suited, so I don't know if it's that bad. But I think they felt like just play Cam. It, it bad enough where they played Cam Williams, right? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to go back and watch him yet. I haven't done the rewatch. Have you watched rewatched anything? Not really. Not definitely not looking for O line. Yeah. But we will, right? Probably you'll beat me to it, but uh I'm gonna try. But um Hey, I did go back and rewind a couple of times. Did when I pointed out that five two the, the old bold three four that we ran basically. Yeah, that was awesome. We ran some different versions of that against Kansas State that were pretty successful, and That's it was it. a good. I was just going to explain what it, what it was I saw and, and Ian yeah. saw. So early in the game when we were destroying Kansas State's running game, we lined up with Murphy. Sweat, Collins, inside. And then outside, it was Ethan Burke and uh, Blackwell. And Burke had his hand down, but Blackwell was standing. And it was basically like an old 5-2 because we had Hill and Ford behind him at inside linebacker. And then, you know, uh, obviously four DBs. And Kansas State, I mean just could not do anything against that I'm running the ball. I mean, just zero. And when they were in big sets, you know, they had tight ends or fullbacks or people like that. in. it was particularly bad because they couldn't really throw against that either. That's when they, I think they just said, look, we're just going to, we're going to go tempo. We're going to spread them out. Will Howard's going to try to win this game. And they damn near did it. You know, it's so funny. You're absolutely right. I noticed this at some point in the season where uh, a couple of teams try have tried to go big on Texas. And when you do, you get like Alfred Collins or Vernon Broughton or Jeray Bledsoe at defensive end with Murphy and sweat. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll, you know, they've had different Mo Blackwell. Sometimes Jeff Bush has played in that Sam role and um, it is a disaster. Like you don't, want to do that i don't i can't imagine another team doing that this season and thinking that's a good idea there's i don't know if there's a single team in the country that should do that try to do that to texas because alfred collins especially when he's like a defensive end or a defensive tackle playing alongside two other defensive tackles it's just a nightmare you're going to get beat somewhere on every single snap um so but the funny thing is is that if you play heavy Texas will often either take Jade Barron off the field or he's out at corner 
where he's a good player, but he doesn't have the same kind of uh, multi-use impact where like you have no idea what he's going to be doing and he shows up unexpectedly, right? Like he can at nickel. So it seems like, and I think he might be the, he's almost the best player in the Texas defense. I think it's Sweat or Murphy, but Barron is way up there. And it's like, hey, if we just play big, we can take one of their best players off the field. So it seems like from that perspective, like it's a really good idea. But it's a disaster because none of these Big 12 offensive lines can block Texas when they are in that look you just described. Well, and and also there's no opportunity for a double team. Right. So it's just one-on-one with Colin Sweat Murphy every snap. That's just a loss. I mean, so before the the game, I wrote in my preview because I I, I rewatched I watched Kansas State and tried to really give an assessment, trying to control for their quality of opponent, which was difficult, right? Yeah. And I was like, recently on. I was like, these guys are one and two on the road, and they're not physically dominant. You know, the Cooper BBs aside, because I was looking at their line and and center to center, right guard, right tackle, they weren't good. And I was like, I think we can do something against these guys, particularly if we can. Now, this is not uh, something I'm proud of writing, but I was like, if we can just get them into predictable passing situations, we should be able to get a lot of sacks and pressures and the secondary should be able to hold up because they don't have the receivers, right? Yeah, um, it's true. I, it's true. <laughs> and we, we still kind of botched it uh, in, down the last, in the, in the second half. I mean, the last quarter, particularly. Let me, I, I have to say though, you noticed that Kansas State had been feasting right on cream puffs. Yet, in the roundtable, you picked Kansas State to win the game. To what? To win the game. Yeah, I thought the game would. I thought the game was going to be what we just saw. I thought it would be close. I thought Malik Murphy would, frankly, be a problem for us, and I thought it would be a close game. Yeah. So I'm trying I, to spin it now like you were smart. No, I don't know about that. I so what did you predict? What score did you predict? Thirty to twenty-three, Texas. So I was closer to predicting the the outcome than you were. Is that correct? No. Yes. How do you figure that? What was the margin of victory? Did we go to overtime? They won. Yeah, they. That's not the purpose of a. This is the least process-oriented conversation I've ever had with you, Ian. The most important thing is not the score. It's it's if you pick the winner. Yeah, I'm a gambler. The score is important as well. No, I win. <laughs> I win. <laughs> I win because <laughs> I'm I'm anti-Texas. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. No, I I thought that that would be enough to sink us, and almost. almost. Honestly, if Chris Kleiman makes a different decision on fourth down, I think I think Kansas State, I would have favored them to win the game, to be honest. Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. Is that yeah. okay? Absolutely. Why, why in the world did he do that? I don't know. He got into a red zone fight, which is where you want us. Our first possession was terrible. Terrible. And that's kind of what Kansas State's pretty good at. That's what they build their whole program on. And frankly, they'd outplayed us in the fourth quarter. I mean, Joel Klatt does a good job. And, you know, the color guys are typically don't come very strong. But he was like, 
hey, what are you doing? Right. You know, <laughs> like you just outplayed Texas in this fourth quarter. You, you just saw what Texas did on their first possession. Burt Auburn saved us with a, another clutch field goal. Props to that guy. Uh, so you, Bert, hey, quick aside, Auburn's been eight of eight since the Oklahoma game. Yeah, he's been awesome. He has been awesome. 17 of 22 on the year now. He's over his yips. That 49 yarder he nailed, that would have been good from 58. I felt terrible about that decision. I was like, uh, what are they doing? That is a long kick. Obviously, Sark has been watching him in practice, and Auburn is over. Whatever was ailing him, he drilled that. Okay, um, so back to the decision with Kleiman. Who is a guy, obviously, we have a high opinion of as a, as a game day coach. Yeah. Why did he do that? So I have two theories, and one of them is bad for him, and the other one is not. If he felt like we cannot get into a field goal off with Sideshow Burt and our own issues kicking field goals today, so let's just try to win. I that's not a good reason. But you no, so hold on. Let's describe how overtime works. They were on our our what four yard line? Yeah. Okay, so they're gonna make that field goal, right? More likely yeah, than yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you extend the game. No, no, no. So, but Ian, field, the, if, the second possession of of overtime, if you score a touchdown, it's a two point conversion. So you only have one other opportunity for field goals. And then the third possession of overtime is you go for two till someone wins. Wait, what? You can still kick field goals on your second possession, right? Yeah, yeah. You can kick a field goal on your second possession. So the point was there was only going to be one more potential possession of trading field goals. And then what happens? You go for two. You're obligated to go for two until someone wins. They got rid of the whole... You go for, you know, there's no permanent, there's no nine OTs anymore, right? You just you, run two point plays back and forth? Yes. Oh boy. Okay, yeah. I'll that theory out. It's no good. Yeah. Okay. So the only other theory would be that Kansas State is accumulating injuries on the sideline that we don't know about. Maybe. And they're just like, our guys are falling apart. We can't maintain this. Maybe he was as nervous and freaked out as we all were. And he's like, let's just end this game. <laughs> like, <again. laughs> One way or the other, let's get a decision. And by the way, I'm a big fan of if you're the inferior team on the road. Yeah. Go for like, try to win the game. But in that context, Kansas state, I thought was in an advantageous position, particularly given that first possession of the overtime and, and frankly, how Malik had been playing down the stretch. Right. Yeah. And they also um, third and fourth down and maybe second down. Why'd they run the ball? They, and they tried to run like quarterback power. Which never worked the whole game. It had not worked the whole game because the reason they're in that game is because they had taken the game out of the trenches where they're used to playing. They'd spread Texas out and they'd made it about Brooks versus zone coverage. Yeah. Or Garcia versus Taff or whatever. Uh, and and they did hurt us. They did hurt us with the screen game. And, right? they, and, and they had caught. Yeah. Every time PK was like, well, I guess I better bring a blitz. I guess yeah. I better br blitz the nickel. We can talk about that in a minute. <laughs> they would have the tight end screen lined up, right? Yep. 
Um, and um, yeah, so that's how you win the game. You were never ever going to win that game taking it down Main Street on Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. Yeah, and and Jalen Ford uh, was playing really well. He was seeing the holes, and also Ian, the Kansas State draw, which is one of the things I love about their offense. When they do a quarterback draw, there's a slight delay to it because they're letting the blocks get set up on the second level and they're letting your guys commit. And then the quarterback takes a choice. And so I'm, I'm, I can't describe this very well in, a, in an auditory media, but many quarterback draws, you do the slight draw, uh, you do the slight hesitation pretending to pass to set up your blocks. And then you take off as fast as you can up the field, right? Mm-hmm. Kansas State does the sort of delay power draw where you may not even attempt to like pretend like you're going to throw it, but you're hesitant and you're kind of watching, watching, waiting, waiting. Colin Klein used to bust like 25 yard runs on us all the time doing that. Remember? Yes. And, and Klein has done it a couple of times. And, but that played completely against what was happening in the game. Because our D-line, were just dro- beating their ass straight up. So how does the delay help you? It's not like we were shooting gaps, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, the best you can say is they wanted to win on their own terms with their own strength. Yeah. But, it just, I mean, it was just not going to happen. It was a bad idea. I would have gone five wide, and depending on how we line up, I would have just run crossers. And... So they did actually, they did, um, maybe it'd be worth looking at the last play call because they lined up in power. Then and they then shifted everybody quick to empty, right? Yep. And then they had some kind of pass set up, but I think it was something like, I think it was just like a rollout or some crappy dinky little, we have one guy we're going to try to rub free. And if he doesn't get free, then we're effed kind of play call. So two things on that call. Um, you're, you're exactly right. They shifted out the transition. When they did that, um, you could see a Texas linebacker, I don't remember who it was, hitting someone going, wait. And he was kind of like, you could see from the franticness of his body language, like, who do I have now? And then he's hitting a DB, and the DB's like, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> like, I got this guy. Um, but then Byron Murphy, that's the second thing. Byron. Phenomenal, phenomenal play. I mean, he 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 won the game. Yes, I there was actually the play before that. I'd be remiss if I didn't notice this. They sent the running back out in motion to clear the box to clear the box for the right. quarterback mark, and Taff followed him out there. And I was like, "Y'all are screwed." <laughs> if we know exactly what to do, and it's to send our smallest, a, a fierce player, Taff, but. Not in not integral to the quarterback power defense. But what Ian means is Jalen Ford didn't follow him out there. Yes. Right. Yeah, um, you, didn't, you didn't clear the box of of Jalen Ford or Anthony Hill or something that would be concerning. Hey, speaking of Taff, and, and everyone in the secondary had some and bad moments, but they also had a couple of guys at good moments. Taff, early in the game, did you catch him stuffing Ben Sinat? in press man coverage? No, I missed it. So they flexed out Sanat and 
they were clearly going to run like a little waggle or a post to him. And Taff walked up on him on the line of scrimmage and jacked him up. <laughs> he couldn't get a release. So that was awesome. And then, of course, Taff, the luckiest man in the secondary, three interceptions in a row. Uh, he's That's three in a row right now, each, each game. Um, Johnny on the spot there as Keegan Johnson bobbles the, a, a perfect throw from Howard, actually. And Taff grabbed it and secured it. That, that was pretty awesome. So good for that guy, man. He was even, I thought, a little late coming over. And uh, he was like, well, I got to get over there. I, I'll, I'll still finish the play, right? I might have yeah. to make a tackle here. Brooks did a pretty good job of making that ball hard to bring in, even though he was beat, right? And then just Taff is so – what's the – he's like – um. I remember you writing about Devontae Davis back in the day, and you were describing his athleticism. And it's like he's not really like a – test super well kind of athlete he's more of like a uh i think just like the picks up a sport and is immediately good at it coordinated yeah. sort of i feel like taff is like that he's a guy i think that if he'd never played foosball and you challenge him to foosball and you play all the time and you beat him the first two games he's like let's play for an hour and by the second half hour he's like crushing you <laughs> like you know he just he acquires new athletic skills quickly i think he's got that kind of athleticism um but sneaky coach on the field what can you say uh what is our future so here's our future schedule oh we talked about ou losing of course uh kansas is playing iowa state right now uh yeah. we've we've got at tcu at iowa state texas tech here I'm going to say something that y'all don't want to hear in the afterglow of the Kansas State victory, which was awesome. Every game where Malik Murphy is the quarterback and any team that can throw a little, there is some peril to the remainder of our schedule. Yeah. And these, I'm not uh... saying losses. I'm not saying it's, oh, I'm call, you know, calling my shot. I'm just saying it puts us at disadvantage. I, I think if Quinn Ewers plays today, I think we win by 21. Yeah. Agreed. You know, there's some, there's some tweets out there you could find if you searched, because I saw them during the game. In the first quarter, probably. The first <laughs> I, there were like two varieties of tweets that, and they should all be deleted, but they won't be. One variety was, Quinn Quinn ain't even gonna play again this year. They don't need him. Oh. And then the second variety was Arch is gonna transfer for sure. Oh, that's stupid. Arch is not going to transfer. That's Arch a bunch of morons who don't understand the Mannings at all. Like they don't understand any of this. That's so dumb. Well, explain what you mean, Paul. Maybe some morons will be listening and, and become <laughs> well, I mean one, it's a four-quarter game. And two, if, if yours wasn't going to play again, Malik has to play a bunch of games, right? I think we know from last week what some of Murphy's weaknesses are. And also, the Mannings understand that this is a long-term, longer-term game. This isn't 
prisoner of the moment nonsense, right? Malik throws a great ball to, to, to Mitchell. Oh, Arch is going to transfer. Malik throws an interception. Oh, Arch, Arch needs to go in the game right now. It's like, just grow up. And, and, and the Mannings, they're not constituted that way. They sent Arch Manning to Texas to get developed into a quarterback. And they don't expect him to play this year. If he's forced to play this year, he'll play. Peyton Manning was forced to play as a true freshman at Tennessee. He was not supposed to play. I mean, I just think people don't understand that they operate on a much more mature, much more intelligent developmental trajectory. And they understand what they're trying to do. And, you know, Arch Manning will play if he's pressed into action, right? Yeah. And, and he's not transferring because the guy had a good quarter. <laughs> it's so, so stupid. Well, you, don't I don't become, know. you don't become college football royalty by well, not even college football. You don't become football royalty by uh, making hasty decisions. Well, they're not impetuous, right? Yeah. And so, I was obviously thrilled by his play in the first quarter. I was like, "This is awesome," you know. Yeah. K State. Hey, I get K State's game game plan. We don't think this guy can do it. We think you know. We don't think he can cover. We don't. We don't think he can make the throw. And I don't. I don't think they'd seen Adonai Mitchell in person, so that was part of it, right? But but also, look. If what what about if our offensive line hadn't protected well on those blitzes, right? I mean, it's not crazy that Kansas State came out thinking that. Now I might have called that off a little sooner, <laughs> but um, you know. I, I could see, hey, let's pressure this guy. He'll make some early mistakes. He'll fold, and that's how we take the crowd out and we go win this game, right? I It made sense, but I actually thought going in that they needed to trust in a bend-don't-break yeah. stop in the red zone strategy. I agree. I, that, so to me – I think they were wrong. To me, when you simplify sense. Murphy's reads, that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. If, if you make the game easier for him, that's bad. If you make the game a little harder for him and put a little hesitation in it, that's how that guy's missing seven open receivers. That's how he puts the ball in peril four times and gets punished twice for it, right? Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, TCU, I think, are, are we expecting a junk defense if Malik Murphy is playing in Fort Worth? I mean... Maybe regardless, right? Yeah. I, I think every team in the schedule, I mean, we've already been seeing this all year. They look at Texas and they're like, well, crap. We cannot cover Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell and still have anything at all left for the run game or JT Sanders. That's right. So pretty much everybody is already junking it up. And then, I mean, for sure, if you don't have Quinn Ewers, then uh, if you're not junking it up, then you're insane, right? Yeah. I'll tell you what, Ian, the best defense or the best offense against junk, just being able to run the ball. They've been they've been solid. They've I mean, I solid. was I was I was very impressed and very pleased with what they did running the ball today. And I don't just mean the 56-yard Baxter run. That was great. You throw that out, Texas still ran the ball successfully. 
Not shocking because Kansas State is kind of weak in run defense. Well, you and I had talked about this, right? But good. We yeah. thought that their defense was 41 to 0 against Houston didn't reflect what they really are. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a, just a certain level of athlete that if they hit a lot of the things that they can accomplish, they can't do anymore. And they actually hit that level of athlete, not just with the Adonai Mitchell split out, but also our offensive line in terms of pass blocking. And I thought they were physical. You know, I don't think they were perfect, but I thought they fired out and got after them uh, a little bit more than what we'd seen. I'm curious to see the, uh, to see this, to report on, on how Hayden Connor played. Because um, he's the guy that, He's just not very – he doesn't play very low, and he's not very physical, but he's, like, kind of reliable. And so he always starts. But um, he was bad against Rice. They challenged them, and he played pretty well against Alabama. And so I was I, – and they were challenged this week, so I figured he played pretty well today. But I'm curious how it looked. I'm going to go watch um... – Generally, he pass blocks well. He's a tackle. He's a tackle playing guard. Yeah. The problem was last week, he didn't pass block well, and he didn't run block at all. It, it's the worst game he played at Texas since last year's Alabama game. So I'm going to guess that this game was better <laughs> because yeah. uh, I didn't see a bunch of Kansas State guys breaking through. Like, So Kansas State didn't get a sack. I don't remember a lot of tackles for loss. Um. You know, we, I thought they guessed right a couple of times on a couple of run plays and inflected, you know, a, a tackle for loss, which is just part of, part of the game, part of the running game. Right. So I, yeah, I was just impressed. I thought Sark dialed up a really good game. We just didn't, we, we imperfectly executed it largely because of stuff at quarterback. I think we go over 600 yards and 40 something points. If it's yours, what do you think? Well, yeah, if, if as, as needed, right. As needed. And, and obviously they would have scored a, a little less because we wouldn't have, you know, given them ball, the ball in a short field, but you said you wanted to circle back on the blitz PK call and blitzing over blitzing the nickel as our, our sort of one size fits all solution to like, let's get pressure. Yeah. Did you notice where the Kansas State running back was aligned on that play? Uh, to the nickel side. I Do you believe. think that was a coincidence? No. No. I mean, everyone is playing the same formation against Texas now, which is you put your um, you put your better slot in the boundary, and uh, then Texas has to figure out how they want to deal with that, right? We just rely on the will, strong safety bracket. Do we play cover two? Do we shift things? Do we move Jade Barron from his place in the field and have him follow the nickel, even though they may just motion him back to the field, right? Um, what was crappy about that play was it was very predictable. Like Texas played it very predictably, bringing the nickel blitz 
their answer for how, well, how do we, they have Philip Brooks, this water bug who's killed us today in the slot. How do we guard it? Oh, I know. Let's set a trap where we have Anthony Hill, our best pass rusher, bail into coverage from the line of scrimmage into the boundary. And then he'll play under and take away the uh, quick hitting pass to Brooks. And then we'll blitz Jade Barron from the other end of the field and roll the coverage to the field. Okay. The coverage they played was like a country cover three, which is a term coaches use. Country cover three means like you just drop to a spot and then you look at the quarterback size and hope you. Oh, I'd never heard that terminology. That's interesting. Yeah, that's what Nick Saban calls it that versus his like pattern matching version. Mm -hmm. I think maybe theoretically Texas is trying to at least pattern read and have their guys be aware of routes when they drop like that. But I mean, Mo Blackwell was looking to the other side of the field when they threw the ball. Yeah. And Anthony Hill. So he drops. So initially it's like, okay, the leverage is not great here, but then you wait one second, you successfully pick up the blitz. And now Brooks is settling into a soft spot in the zone. And it's like Blackwell looking the wrong way. And Hill is trying to bail and get under another open receiver who's also open at the sticks against the cover three country cover three look. It was a bad call. Not all of their calls in two minute defense were bad today or on that drive. And like a lot of people are like, why is Texas playing prevent all the time? They're not really playing prevent on these drives where they're getting killed in two minute or up tempo defense. They're just getting beat because they're playing. I mean, they're getting beat for a lot of reasons. Sometimes they miscommunication and they leave a guy open. Sometimes they're a little too soft in zone. Sometimes the blitzes get predictable. There's a lot of problems. I'd say it's mostly softness and zone and predictability. When when PK brings pressure, I know what it's I know what it's going to be in those moments. And I think the opposing offensive coordinator knows now. So we got a. The good thing about being predictable is when you do change it up, you end up with a pick six <laughs> because they're throwing to a spot expecting you to do a certain thing. And then when you don't do that thing, uh, it can it can be very powerful. But um, yeah, that was a that was a tough thing. But I mean, man, I'm just I'm psyched for the win. Texas still has great opportunity this year to have a really special year. And I'm not sure what's going on with the other games, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to focus more on like, let's go win the big 12 and then whatever, wherever position we're in, we're great. But I'm kind of hoping that, uh, the larger college football shapes itself to giving us something interesting, even past the big 12 title, if we get it. Well, I've got a LSU Alabama on in the background. What's going on? I'm not looking. It's 21 all LSU is actually knocking on the door for a touchdown. And uh, it is a, it has been a heavyweight bout. For That's sure. kind of what was expected, right? Yeah. Jaden Daniels. I mean, he just, he's, he's stud he's playing his butt off. And then yeah, uh, I think this is gonna be a great game. Um, so I bet the over. Yeah. It's 21 all. So I don't know what the over, what, what was the over like? 60 and a half. 60 and a half. I feel like I'm going to hit it. Yeah. 
And then and uh, I've got I've got so I've got I'm trying to middle this not to uh, bore you with gambling, but I bet LSU plus seven and a half before the year. And then recently I I did Bama minus three, so I'm actually trying to middle in between the two bets and then you, hit the over. Can you explain what that means for people that may not know, including myself? sure. Yeah, no, no, no problem. So I have both LSU plus seven and a half and Alabama minus three. So if Alabama wins by six, I win both bets. If Alabama wins by four, I win both bets. If LSU wins by 30, I win one bet. If Bama wins by 17, I win one bet. But in any game where you feel like that the as the game gets closer and you've got a line that you feel is advantageous on the LSU side, in other words, seven and a half, uh, when it, this line closed, it was at three, Bama minus three. So with that seven and a half, you could just ride LSU, or you could say, I actually think these two teams are fairly evenly matched. And if that's true, I think the game result will be, you know, Bama winning by anywhere between three to six. That seems like a, a reasonable probability. And so if you think that's a, a reasonable, if you think that's a big enough gap of probability that you can win both of your bets within that gap, it's worth laying off one of your other bets. So in other words, people might say, oh, the LSU plus seven and a half, that's a great number. But, I'd, but you could also say, mm, I'm not content just to maybe win with that. Maybe I can double up. And you kind of can do it at no cost. Unless LSU wins the game by one point, then I'm screwed. So I just outlined, outlined all that, and LSU is going to win by a point. So <laughs> I, don't think I don't think they're going to win by a point because of the way the scoring has gone so far. Yeah. Well, now also, by the way, I'd still win on LSU plus seven and a half, of course, if they won by a point. So the point is, when you, when you have a wide middle like that, the seven and a half to three, and those are kind of key numbers, right? And betting three is a very important number. Seven and a half is a very important number, right? Okay. Uh, then when you have that, you kind of almost have to, to middle uh, because you have, you have a real shot at winning both bets. And if, if you lose one bet, you win the other typically. So the other score is Washington 35, USC 28. Oh my gosh. Was it in the first quarter still? They just kicked off to start the second half. Oh my gosh. I'm not surprised by that. Are you? No. It's funny. So we want USC to win, but it's hard to pull for USC. See, my brother was saying that earlier in a text thread. Why? Who cares if USC wins? Well, we want Washington to have a hickey. Why? If we have aspirations for the playoffs. What does that matter? They're undefeated. Well, yeah. And if they get a loss... That's their their out of their out of conference stuff is incredibly weak. I it doesn't matter. They're gonna have played Oregon, USC, Utah. They still have Washington State. Utah is not that good. But I if Texas has only one loss, I don't think it matters. As long as the other teams are I mean it's many... honestly in it's all perceptual. Like we need Bama to win. Right, because you can't have the value of a Tuscaloosa law, uh, win to be devalued. I, I think all of these things are so marginal that they're not worth being overly caught up in. 
I'm not overly caught up in it. I'm I'm casually watching it, knowing that usually it shapes itself properly. But um, yeah, I mean, Texas would do well just to win out and make it all elementary. And I think a one loss Texas would be difficult to keep out. But you're going to have a lot of Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, Washington people arguing that their one loss is superior, right? Yeah, I mean, the whole Michigan thing right now, too, is you have all these people saying that they should be, like, kept out of the playoff rankings. <laughs> Big Ten's not going to keep their team out that could win the national title. But Supposedly, uh, the Big Ten went to Michigan recently and were like, we think you should impose a two-game suspension for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, we'll do that in 2024 when he's not, when he's coaching the Vegas Raiders. The Big Ten is obviously thinking like, hey, please do this just so we can try to make this go away. Yeah, I'm sure. And then the Michigan president, Santa Ono, <laughs> was like, it's not Christmas for you. So no, we're not going to do that. We're That's not going to voluntarily suspend our coach when you have a public war to diminish our team and our coach, but nothing that's been, you know, we're going to let the process play out. And in the meantime, we're going to win games. Right? Due process, Ian. Due process. I mean, they're obviously guilty. Of yeah. At least what it looks like they've done. Yeah. But. We'll see. Hey, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a quick shout out to our sponsors. They're phenomenal at what they do. Really appreciate them supporting the podcast. First of all, I want to talk about David McClellan. He is a partner at Forum Financial, a fiduciary financial advisor, uh, and, and coach. He's really good at what he does. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. If you are someone who's accumulated a little bit of wealth or someone is in the process of doing so, he's someone you need to talk to because he operates at a very high level, has a high level of knowledge, and he is someone that other financial planners cite. David's got published white papers. Uh, he is an absolute subject matter expert. Pick up the phone, get a free consultation, find out why. 312-933-8823. And then finally, if you need a mortgage, the guy to contact, his name is Gabe Winslow. He was dying on text today, watching the Texas game with me and everyone else as I'm furiously texting Ian and, and other people saying, did you see that, Ian? What, what happened there? Uh, did you see, did we line up in what I just thought we did? Uh, anyway, Gabe was more uh, living and dying like all of us were on every play. And uh, beyond that, he's really good at what he does. You can reach him at Mortgages by Gabe online, or you could pick up the phone and you can give him a call. Uh, one thing about Gabe that is really impressive, over 20 years in the industry, he's got a law degree. Uh, he's just a really sharp guy and, and not to diminish other folks in that, uh, lovely profession, but there's levels to this. And I think Gabe operates at a really high level. If you want to understand why, just pick up the phone and talk to him, lay out what you're trying to do. And I think you'll realize that a mortgage guy can be a lot more than a guy who quotes you rates, reach him at 832-557-1095. Thanks to both of you for your support. And Ian, sorry, back to our regular scheduled uh, programming here. So anything we want to wrap up? Anything we want to put a bow on? 
I was just looking at Sooner Twitter. Oh. <laughs> Are you going to be posting some anti Sooner stuff? When uh, I have a feeling somehow, Ian, that you're going to be posting some highlights of two games with analysis. One will be the Texas-Kansas State game, and the other will be the Oklahoma State-Oklahoma game. Is that true? No, I, I think my only analysis of the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game is just going to be the Oprah like shrugging, like, what did I tell you? You're going to watch it. You're going to pick out a couple of little things, and you're going to say – Here's why Dylan Gabriel is not a starting quarterback, or it'll be like Dylan Gabriel throwing the ball at his own foot or something. I do that. <laughs> yes, you do. Dylan Gabriel, that dude is so tough. Like, I can't tell you how many times this season I've seen a team just like get what looked like a kill shot on him. And I'm like curious what it looks like when they cut back to the quarterback to see if he's like, moaning on the field like Rhett Bomar in the 2005 Red River shootout. And every time he's just like sauntering around, he's already back on his feet. Yeah, he's a tough little dude, no doubt. I think he's hard to get a good hit on too because he's not very big. He's also um, – He's also jacked up. He's actually like – he weighs about 205. No, but he's yeah. he's he's thickly – he's not 205. But he's, he's thickly built. Okay, he's was he what is he two hundred? No, I don't I don't think so. Really? I don't think so. All right. Well he's gonna go to the NFL combine. He's gonna get weighed. He's gonna hold water in his mouth and put nickels in his socks like Kyler Murray did. Yeah. Or Bryce Young, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bryce <laughs> Young's like two hundred somehow. I mean, I don't know. That guy weighs 180 pounds just walking around. That's pretty obvious. Also, also, um, Dylan Gabriel's not going to be at the NFL Combine. Yeah. He's he's going to be the first-round draft pick, Ian. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he is, he's like, I don't know. He might be 190. I don't know. I, I actually think he thickened up quite a bit. If you look at him, um, he's he's definitely he's definitely put on some muscle from prior years when he shook off that Kansas tackler on the two point conversion. Um, he looked pretty strong. He looked pretty big. It won the day too, where they had him dead to rights and he actually shook off a tackle, uh, but it took too long. So the next guy was there, but anyway, uh, he's tough. He's in the wrong system. Honestly, like there's too much emphasis in that offense on throwing down the field. And a guy like that just cannot do that consistently over the course of the year and do the things you want him to do in the run game. It's like, a, I mean, it's been a little bit like Sam Ellinger with him this year. If you watch him launch deep shots in the first few games of the year. He's deteriorating. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Underneath to Drake Stoops and whatever all day. Yeah. But their offense is not designed for it. Oh, well, we're, we're tied at 28 now in the third quarter. Is that right? For Bam uh, LSU? I haven't been paying attention, but that seems seems likely. Over's going to hit, baby. Horns win. Sooners lose. Aggies lose. Successful gambling. This is a good day, Ian. Did you put anything on the trifecta games? I did. I took Oklahoma State.
I told you I picked them to win outright. I put them on the money line and I also took them plus six. Nice. And then I took uh, Ole Miss and it was a push. So it was minus three. Should have bet on over under how many Oklahoma sites would have stories calling for Jeff Levy's head. <laughs> Speak to this, Ian, because you actually, you called this, the, the Oracle Ian actually called this. You saw through subterfuge. Talk talk this out real quick and we'll end on that funny note. So Jeff Levy crossed Brent Venables and more importantly, Oklahoma Athletic Director Joe Castiglione this year. You don't, you don't cross an Italian man. You they have yeah. good memory. I mean, they call it the Castiglione Mafia, jokingly. Omerta. Um, this is our thing. And uh, when he crossed them by having his uh, father-in-law, Arp Riles, on the field, taking pictures with the family um, after, well, what game was it? I don't remember. One of the earlier games this year for Oklahoma. And apparently, apparently, conditional upon his hire was that Art Bryles was not to be seen on the field or sideline associated with the Oklahoma football program. So Levy violated that, was defiant in the post-game press conference, saying like, that's my, that's family. That's my father-in-law. That's the grandfather of my kids. He was on the field with his family. That's all I got to say. And then he also had like, he changed his social media posts so that his uh, social media picture was the picture of Art Bryles and the family. Um, you can almost understand his loyalty because Art Bryles is the reason he's in coaching and he runs. Of course. It's just that Art Bryles is a terrible person. <laughs> and he had already agreed not to do that. So Castiglione in Oklahoma is furious. They make him apologize. Um, I can add something on that. Oh, go ahead. He was told you're going to go out and address it or you're fired. Yeah. And you knew as soon as that whole thing happened that if anything went wrong this year, he was going to catch the blame and he was probably out at the end of the year, no matter what. Well, to your point. So the reason you're Oracle Ian is you wrote all this. You predicted it, yes. And they lose to Oklahoma State. The there was a team loss. There was no clear like the offense was the culprit, right? Right. Um. And what happens immediately after the game? So I told everyone in my, in my Substack, America's War Game There you go. Get that plug in. I included a section where I previewed Bedlam, and I said, "Hey, here's a heads up." I was like, "I think Oklahoma State's going to win this." And it's going to be very interesting to see how they react to Norman. And I said, oh, by the way, here's how they're going to react to Norman. The media is in Castiglione's pocket, basically. And they're all going to blame Jeff Levy. Unless it's like 50 to 45 and it's impossible to blame Levy, they will blame him for this game and he'll be out at the end of the year. And sure enough, not only did all the Sooner media jump to blame Jeff Levy for this game, but Joe Castiglione Jr. was tweeting shots at Jeff Levy, which is just, and Joe Castiglione Jr. is in fact related to Joe Castiglione Sr., the athletic director. So, uh, so what did he specifically tweet? 
So uh, 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 Lebby was asked, if you didn't see the game, Oklahoma lost going for it on fourth and five. They had to go for it to get into field goal range. And they tried to run a rollout and throw to uh, Drake Stoops, which was a stupid play call. In defense of everyone that's blasting Jeff Lebby, if you roll your quarterback out on fourth and five, they know you're throwing it. And it's and half the field. With Drake Stoops. Yeah, you're eliminating yeah. half the field. It's obvious you're going to Stoops. Um, and uh, Stoops, the pass was incomplete. And uh, they asked him about that play call. And he said, I feel good about the play call. The yard, the, sh- the route needed to be run a yard deeper, which is true because Drake Stoops rounded out the route at four yards instead of five at the sticks. But it felt, it felt like you just blamed our coaching legend's son for the loss. You son of a bleep, right? And uh, so Joe Castiglione Jr. quote tweeted the uh, report of that quote from Lebby. And he said, so hard for Lebby to take accountability or something like that. Wow. Just blasting the offensive coordinator for his, that's basically an employee of his father. You hate to see it, Paul. You hate hate to see it. Oklahoma, I was told, was above such acrimony that they don't do clown shows. They don't do the sort of uh, public spats that Texas did, and that's why they're Oklahoma and not Texas. They don't have bad coaching hires. They don't have bad spells. They're just great all the time, and they're impervious to anything going wrong because they're Oklahoma, and they just don't have the stupidity that Texas's culture has. So this is a long way of saying Seth Luttrell, new Oklahoma Sooners offensive coordinator. Coming yeah. soon. Coming soon. Coming to a theater near you in 2024. All right. Also, well, OU's had, they, I mean, Paul, they've been cruising for a bruising for a long time. <laughs> and you're just, Twitter, you're just the man to deliver it. <laughs> on Twitter, I am their cruise director. And my name is Captain Bruising. that was awesome that was amazing well coming to theaters now playing and playing through the end of the year the avengers because the big 12 vengeance tour for texas continues and has not ended still got three more games to take care of in the regular season and hopefully a big 12 title game and then we'll see will the the cards get dealt past there For Ian Boyd, I'm Paul Wadlington, both exuberant. The Texas Longhorns beat the Kansas State Wildcats in overtime. Hook them. Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours, and that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, 
That's David McClellan, 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas. Even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado, you need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, If you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505.